And now, proper propaganda. If you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. One time for Maggie, because she be knowing. Yes, indeed. Um, and uh, we still got more show for you to stick around for, so do just that. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, the repercussions for police, whether or not they have them and what they look like. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time you say something like that, I laugh. It's, it sounds pretty funny. I guess. I... But listen, if police get to be, if, if, if we are people, we make mistakes. Police are people, they make mistakes. We get held accountable, do they? We're going to talk about that. Also, we're going to uh, use our Way Black History Fact to discuss the recently uh, passed away Mr. Uh, Bill Russell, uh, the NBA great who was also a civil rights activist, and we felt it was important to tell his story. Um, so Q is going to be uh, spearheading that effort when we get to that part of the show. But first and foremost, let's discuss B.A. B.A. How to become a better ally. Shall we? We shall. So um, this one brought to you by Hip Hop Weekly Magazine. Um, and it is Black Business Month, August. So support black businesses all month if you can. If it were that simple, we'd leave it there. But no, we actually have more for you. So get those pins ready or get your phone ready. So um, first, we're going to shout out to Salesforce Force for their um, collaboration with Black Enterprise Magazine, hosting the second annual National Black Business Block Party, which is presented by Black Enterprise. Um, and uh, Flourish.com Marketplace and Shopify are partnering off partnering to offer support and services to black entrepreneurs. The Flourish and Shopify partnership levels the playing field in addition to community and an elevated profile online brands who join the Shopify platform through Flourish hashtag Flourish will have access to strategic partnerships, exclusive networking opportunities and potential media exposure exposure. Consumers also have direct access to brands products and can make purchases on Flourish.com. Uh, so there is um, a way for you to tune in. Uh, so if you want to check out uh, Black Enterprise Magazine or visit Flourish.com uh, to support all the categories of Black business and uh, shop for your new favorites. And this is also important. Uh, this is a note from uh, Ms. Maggie, aka Maggie B. Known. If you are in a decision-making position or in a position of influence at your company and have the ability to host or support initiatives like this, please do. Otherwise, you're patronage to black businesses on and offline is much appreciated and an excellent way to become a better ally and don't forget you can also support to civic cipher because we're growing with your support all right now do cops have repercussions or not nah? that's how it's written i like that so um i'll do a little bit of reading before we uh, start breaking this down um first this comes from the Washington Post. Uh, police think they can get away with anything. That's because they usually do. That's the title. Isn't that crazy? All right. Um, only a tiny percentage of complaints against police are acted on. Research conducted with the journalism organization, the Invisible Institute, suggests that ignoring complaints, even multiple complaints about one officer, is not the exception, but the norm in police departments. 
I want to pause real quick. I think that that shows how easy it is for people to not really think police are the greatest. I get that there's, you know, some bad apples, sure. Most police are decent folk, sure, right? But to know that the framework doesn't really um, prioritize uh, complaints about police misconduct, multiple um, offenses by one officer and so forth. It, it erodes the faith that the community would have in police departments around the country. And then there's this, obviously, in a, in a world like today where we share information, we share data, we know what's happening in Louisiana, we know what's happening in Oregon. You know, policing is kind of like a catch-all. It doesn't matter if it just only happens here or there. No, we have data that tells the story about the whole country. It's a super complex thing to address, though. Okay. Right? In any instance where there's a a, a body that has authority over another, mm-hmm. by nature, there's going to be complaints. Mm-hmm. So that makes this very complex. Of course. If they surveyed our children, they would tell the world we were tyrants. He makes me go to bed early. He makes me do my homework. He makes me get up early. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the same with people that work for you. The same with, I guess, any group of people that are somehow put into a hierarchy deficiency versus another i think by nature of it they treat complaints like well yeah of course they're going to complain about the people that pull them over and give them tickets and cite them for this and this and that Mm -hmm. so i think they by nature treat the complaints as cavalier and just a part of the job not as something to take seriously which is ridiculous but from that vantage point i can understand how a system could put itself in a position to just almost ignore the complaints of those who are under the thumb of the authoritative, you know, policing around them. You know what else is is kind of weird about this is that there's this sort of weird question that I think everyone has to ask themselves at some point in their lives because it's just such an obvious uh, gaping um, fail point, failure point in terms of the structure who do you call when the police are the bad guys another way of of thinking about it is if the police are the ones doing the investigating who investigates the police is it the police so i can specifically answer that as the nephew of former chief inspector Harold Scott, Internal Affairs of the Detroit Police Department. Yes, the police investigate the police. Oh, wow. How about that? Now, let me um, make another addition to the first point that we uh, made here. So a more troubling component here is, uh, this is back from the uh, Washington Post um, reading that we were doing. A more troubling uh, component is the racial disparity Uh, in the responses to the complaints. So watch this. 3%, one, two, three, that's it. 3% of complaints initiated by black citizens 
were sustained. That means that if you took a hundred black people that took the time to complain, if you're going to complain about an officer and make it formal, you, the, the theory, my, my operating assumption is that you feel like you're on some solid ground there to formalize your complaint, right? So if you'll let me have that, and this in this thought experiment we have here, there are 100 black people that are submitting these, again, what they feel are valid complaints against these police officers, again, quote, protect and serve, quote unquote, you know, we pay taxes, you work for us, that sort of thing, you know, 3%, that's three of those black people have their complaints sustained. 97 of them Nothing happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hang on. If those people are by nature criminals, then of course they're going to have complaints about the police ramses. See, and, and you're pointing out, uh, uh, you're, you're being funny, obviously, but you're pointing out the breakdown and, and that the, the, the assumption by the police and a lot of people that read these statistics is society that at large society, has to yeah, feel that way. That, that, well, you know, you shouldn't have run. If you didn't do anything wrong, you don't, that's that same Comply. attitude. Now watch this. Um, 21% of white complaints, uh, white complainants, um, had their complaints sustained. So we go from 3% if you're black to 21% if you're white. Seven right. times as many. Sure. But wow. even the 21%, yeah, that's, that's, we could have a whole show based on that chasm right there. Wow. But even with, white people complaining about officers you're still talking approximately 80 20 in favor of the officers your complaint is not valid and we know i don't mean for this to sound the way that it's about to sound but i'm gonna just power through it that when that if if there is a group of people on this planet that know how to complain Careful. So, so listen, so listen, what I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say is, I don't think these complaints are just thrown, thrown together or that these people are just like, eh, whatever. No, these people are serious. And even then only 20, and they got the right, you know, they got the right story in this country. They got the right grounds to stand on for these, you know, complaints to be heard. And, and, and at least in their minds, they think that these complaints are valid. And we're talking 80% of the time they're shown the door as well. Right. So I think that they're great at complaining um, when it's necessary. They 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 will <laughs> switch up their whole life to get that complaint off. I've seen it happen. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and it, it sometimes that's helpful, man. You know, I, we, we got friends and, and they got moms and they'll, they'll get us back our stuff. You know, what I mean? they'll they'll get the store to return the merchandise or whatever, however it ends up going. But the long and the short of it is that. Um, we're, we're talking about policing as it relates to all of us. You know what I mean? And obviously being black, we're kind of at the, um, we get the worst end of it. We always talk, we're like the worst of the statistics. Everything bad happens to us the most, most frequently all the time. Throughout the history of ever. Yeah, well, at least throughout the history of this country. Well, no, no, ever. Well, once upon a time before the mass pillage and rape of Africa and, and her resources, gross colonization, and gross colonization. Sure, of Africa and her resources, we're talking about a fair playing field for the most part across the world. 
you don't know this history because you got to pay attention to who's teaching you this history. But, you know, if you're talking about ancient Greece and, you know, you look at the architecture and all that sort of stuff, all that stuff was learned in Africa by African teachers. You know, everything, everything starts in Africa. I know this stuff because obviously I had to know it. And Dr. Westerberg was my teacher, um, but I'm not making that up. You can, it's actually, you can research all this stuff. Um, but, you know, here we are today having to deal with these numbers and in this country, at least, a lot of what we have to deal with feels very unfair. One of the things that, um, while we're here, one of the things that um, I brought up in a conversation more recently was the myth that black men don't take care of our children, right? It is a very, very harmful myth that was created in, I believe it was the 50s by a Democrat, a liberal Democrat, who was trying to find a reason for uh, uh, economic inequality, black families and, and non-black and white families, right? He was trying to find the basis for this. And what this liberal uh, gentleman, I forget his name, but what he found out in his published report that became sort of the Bible when it came to dealing with black people in economics in this country for many years, what he found was that the black family structure was broken. And as a result of that, um, that black people were suffer suffering um, uh, economic disadvantages, right? Now, his report did not account for, let me, let me, let me uh, con uh, consult my, uh, my list here housing discrimination. It did not account for environmental racism. It did not account for um, the corrupt criminal justice system. It did not count for, account for the, uh, the lack of teaching um, uh, and the, the uh, educational um, inequities. It did not account for um, improper funding of the GI Bill and the promises to uh, Black Americans. It did not account for redlining and the disenfranchisement of the black vote. It did not account for um, uh, drugs and the way that drugs have been criminalized in this country um, with respect to black people in particular. And that list goes on. You get what I'm trying to say. This guy singularly said, the reason that black people don't have money is because black fathers are not in the homes. And that started this myth, right? First off, it wasn't true. But his basis was marriage rates and um, the birth rates of black children, right? I'm telling you like you don't know, but our listeners don't know. <laughs> so some um, of our listeners, don't some know. of our listeners don't know. Um, I, I'd imagine a good chunk because this is a common thing that we have to talk to on this talk about on this show and um, in general. But so what happens is. Um, if you're black or you know someone black or brown, someone poor even, you might know this story. So let's go back to like the uh, 30s, right? In the 30s, uh, the Great Depression. Imagine a poor family during the Great Depression. How does that family look? Are they white? Yes. Why? Because those were the people receiving aid from the government. Those are the people that are in the pictures that you remember that jumped into your mind when I gave you that example, right? Um, but imagine how hard black people were hit during that time. 
and what resources black people had because that the, the country was way more racist back then so black people was way at the back of that line right but how you could get a little bit more compassion a little bit more empathy is if you were a, a, a mother a woman who was a mother and unmarried right so again you might know people who operate this way so what this means is that either this mother cannot claim that she lives in a house with the children's father, her partner, husband, etc. So that goes undocumented, which results in later decades, these uh, statistics that create this myth that black fathers don't exist in our children's lives, um, because that's how you are able to cheat the system in order to get what is owed to you by this country, despite your blackness, um, to have enough food and enough economic opportunities to, you know, take care of yourself and your family. Furthermore, it doesn't account for the fact that um, there is a large migration of black people from the South to the North, places like Detroit, where you're from, um, the automotive industry um, and other places, you know, in, in Chicago and, you know, Michigan and places like that where black people were able to find um, job opportunities. Right. So, this man just decides that, okay, black fathers are not in their homes. Not that they're not providing none of this sort of stuff. Just, and this is why it's important for there to be more black researchers because they might've known, okay, well, maybe there's something else that we need to look into, right? Part of the criminal uh, diabolical piece in the way that narrative is presented, mm. it's not just that they don't account for all of those factors that you said is that they make it out to be the choice of the black father to be absent. So that, so let me go and let me lean into that part. So I've heard it said like this before, rather than fulfilling its promise, the, this country's promise to black people, this country would rather have black people feel like we are the source of our own problems, right? Now, I don't want the wrong people to hear that and run with it because everybody has to be responsible for themselves. Every community has a degree of responsibility for the, the community, the culture, et cetera, right? But if we're talking about systemic issues, I think that we have to take everything into consideration, right? But this myth about absent black fathers has been so influential that even we black people feel like it's true. And that's not to say it doesn't happen, but it doesn't happen to a degree that is uh, unique to black people. In other words, white families have absent fathers. Don't Hispanic. say it with, don't say it with that much grace though. Cause oh, it's yeah. not, it's not just that it doesn't happen the way that it's depicted it's actually polarity polar the polarity of it's it opposite yeah. is quite as far the opposite distance as you can sure. be there's a word for that um the statistics tell a story that is the polar opposite of the narrative go ahead you tell, tell them um the most present mm -hmm. most involved most involved um group of people as fathers in this country is the black American man. Can you cite the source of that assumption? I cannot. I cannot. Well, I can. 
That comes from the CDC's 2013 study based on census data and uh, government funding, right? So that is a government-backed um, report that was done that confirms what many people long held to be true, that that couldn't be the case. Black men don't love our children. See, the thing is, one of, one of the things that I was saying when I was having a conversation uh, with an, another friend of mine of ours is that anything that has to do with African-American people, if it doesn't sound right, do yourself a favor and remove the word American. Now you're just dealing with African people. Does it still sound the same? In other words, African-American men don't raise their children. Mm, that don't sound right. Take away the American part. African men don't raise their children. That don't sound right. So what word did we take out? The American word. Okay, so now we have to look at America. What's going on in America? Okay. Is America creating a set of circumstances? Or uh, is there a, something going on in society in America? Or are black people just bad? And the thing is, you can't just say black people are just bad because guess what? African men, you can raise their, their kids. You can say it. Well, and some there are, and there are it, unfortunately and they, they a lot of people that would agree with you that by the tens of millions, right? The, 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 the people who came out in droves and, and shout out to everybody around the country who is, uh, using their right to vote. Mm -hmm. I just want to say that out loud because it's, it's, it's that time. Mm -hmm. Um, but, there are tens of millions of people that that spend that right and that vote on a candidate based on the ideology that black people and Mexican people and anybody that's not, you know, Christian and white is bad, mm. criminal by nature. So, of course, it's ridiculous, but there are plenty of, you know, claiming to be educated adult people in this country that say things out like that out loud and believe it. Well, the truth is that those people are wrong. Now, um, back to police. Um, I want to read this. So this one comes from, um, uh, this also comes from uh, the Washington Post. So patterns demonstrate the larger truth that too often, instead of operating as an effective check on police abuses, complaint systems serve to further disempower poor minority community members. The system offers the illusion that the police are listening to all residents. Um, and then by repeatedly siding with officers, the systems encourage officers to adopt a mindset that when black and brown citizens object to what they're doing, are almost always wrong. That reinforces the officer's sense of untouchability. Now, I want to add this before we move on. This comes from the New York Times. Uh, justices rule police do not have a constitutional duty to protect someone. This hmm. comes from June 2000. You know, I don't even want to read that. Wow. But that's that's actual that's an actual court case. I implore you to look it up because we don't have time to go into that. But yeah, justices rule police do not have a constitutional duty to protect someone. Meaning in Uvalde, Kids was getting shot up in the classroom. The police were standing outside. They didn't break the law. As did, you know, based on what these justices say, the police have no duty to protect the public. Um, and then before we go, uh, a final thought from our show producer to criticize their effectiveness in solving crimes in the aftermath further furthers the propaganda. It assumes that police are acting in the interest of the public when there is no precedent that says they have to. 
um, and uh, oftentimes we're putting false faith in them. Um, and moving forward, we need urgent change. So, um, yeah, please look up that uh, that ruling that the police do not have a constitutional duty to protect someone. Now, it's time for the way Black History Fact, um, sponsored by Hip Hop Weekly magazine. Uh, Q, our resident uh, athletic <laughs> man. So you oh, can man. take this one. I don't know why Ram just thinks I'm the resident expert on sports just because I'm an athlete. Ram just knows more than he wants you guys to know. I think somebody told him it wasn't cool to be a jock once upon a time. So now he runs from it like he didn't also play football, but I won't put his business out there and I'll let him keep pretending that he doesn't have an athletic bone in his body. <laughs> um, the way Black History Fact, uh, once again, presented by Hip Hop Weekly Magazine, uh, our tribute to the legend that we lost um i had an opportunity to meet uh the great bill russell uh, once upon a time at a charity event in los angeles i had just gotten my first job out of college uh out in la at a charity event for marcus allen and, and bill russell was in attendance and i was in awe because as you could imagine as a lifetime sports fan all of my sports heroes were there so uh, rest in peace to one of the greats um bill russell he dies at 88 uh, Celtics icon, Hall of Famer, and 11-time NBA champion. Bill Russell died peacefully uh, with his family. And um, I think he recently relocated to, not recently, I think he spent most of his life after retiring from the NBA, actually, um, on an island off the coast of Washington, mm. not in what you would assume to be the beloved Boston, where he spent his entire professional career. Mm -hmm. Bill Russell, the NBA great, who anchored the Boston Celtics dynasty, to 11 championships in 13 years that is such a crazy stat uh, the last two as the first black head coach so it should be noted he was not just the coach but also still a player so the first black head coach in major sports while still playing that sport i didn't know that really. yeah um pretty incredible um Mr. Russell was not just a great athlete, but he also marched for civil rights with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, his family posted the news on social media saying he died with his wife, uh, Jeannie, by his side. They did not state the cause of death. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said in a statement that Russell was the greatest champion in all of team sports. And you guys might notice that his he's conspicuously left out of the greatest of all time athlete conversations and i think the reason why is because no matter how you measure that he so outweighs everyone else that it's not even fair so he's called the greatest champion in team sports here because if you match him up against anyone else he's got more championships his winning percentage is higher he's he's never lost a do or die game ever in 21 this, chances like this is why you just rattled those stats they're not even written here yeah i'm so sorry you're a sports guy i'm, I'm a sorry. music guy man let me be um, great <laughs> a hall of famer five-time most valuable player 12-time nba all-star russell in 1980 was voted the greatest player in nba history by basketball writers he remains the sport's most prolific winner as a player an archetype of selflessness who won with defense and rebounding while leave, leaving scoring to his teammates. Often that meant Will Chamberlain, the only player of the era who was ever a worthy rival for Russell, um, to be without championships. So he, you know, Will Chamberlain, one of the greatest athletes of all time, spent a lot of his career on the losing end of Bill Russell. 
even though a lot of people may have regarded him as a more gifted uh, physical specimen. Um, Russell said that when he was growing up in the segregated South and later California, his parents instilled in him a calm confidence that allowed him to brush off racist taunts. Now, Bill Russell, as I told you before, after he retired, left Massachusetts mm -hmm. and moved as far away from Massachusetts as possible. Yeah, we talked about Massachusetts. And a lot of people would wonder why. And you and I have discussed we racist sports fans in Boston. in Boston specifically. While he was winning championships in Boston, right, as he is the greatest player in the sport mm -hmm. for their team, mm -hmm. eight championships in a row, while away people broke into his home dumped out his trash cans and defecated around his house and in his bed I'll let that soak in with you guys for a minute the hometown hero in that same hometown was still not given the level of dignity and respect to not break into vandalize and if I need to be more specific came home to human feces around his home and in his bed i'll continue um i've never been through anything from my first moment of being alive was the notion that my mother and father loved me uh, it was russell's mother who would tell him to disregard comments from those who might see him playing in the yard whatever they say good or bad they don't know you they're wrestling with their own demons Bill was the ultimate winner and consummate teammate and his influence on the NBA will be forever felt. Uh, Adam Silver added, and I quote, we send our deepest condolences to his wife, Jeannie, his family and many friends. His family said the arrangements for Russell's memories um, from for his memorial service, I'm sorry, will be announced in the coming days. Uh, the Celtics often celebrated Bill Russell. Bill Russell would celebrate those moments with his family and friends away from the team. Mm. He played for his teammates and for his coach, not for a city that never embraced him and never loved him. I want to add this because um, I have a note here. It says that he was at the March on Washington in 1963 when yes, Dr. Sir. King gave his I Have a Dream speech and he backed Muhammad Ali when the boxer was pilloried. I think that's that word for refusing induction into the military draft quote to be the greatest champion of your sport to revolutionize the way the game is played and to be a societal leader all at once seems unthinkable but that's who bill russell russell was uh and quote the boston celtics said in a statement 20 uh 2011 president barack obama awarded russell the medal of freedom alongside congressman john lewis billionaire investor warren buffett german chancellor angela merkel and baseball great stan murisol so his activism also Speaking of his activism, in his 80s, Bill Russell joined Twitter. Would you guess the reason why? Why? To stand in solidarity or to kneel in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick. That was Bill Russell. I'm glad that uh, see, I'm glad that you took this one because see, you know little neat little things like that. Um, and yeah, you know what? I I do want to say that. I don't want to take, take any shine away from anyone, but I do want to say this. All right. Yes, I did play football in high school. Okay. <laughs> I did. But it's because I read a book and it said that like 70% of millionaires play team sports or something in high school. So Word. I was thinking like, okay, if I play football, give me a better chance of getting this money when I graduate. So that's the only reason I played. Understood. So I'm familiar with how the game works. 
But the people that play, I wasn't there because I was a passionate person. I was trying to get some bread and I'm, I'm 130 pounds still. I knew I wasn't going to go to the NFL. I was just trying to play because that's what the book said. So, Word. you know, um, yeah, I'm not an athlete. I, all these music tattoos and we got, you know, man. anyway, that's going to do it for us on Civic Cypher. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward. They call her Maggie B. Nguyen. Yes, indeed. Uh, she produced another great one for us, one for the books. Um, and uh, we love her dearly. Uh, so be sure to engage with us. You know, we put this show together for you. We want to hear from you. Um, and, you know, we want to know how this resonates with you. Um, you can hit us on our website, civiccipher.com. You can submit any questions, any topics. Um, please donate. Again, the show is growing uh, and it grows with your support. We are at Civic Cipher on all the major donating platforms. Um, but uh, you can also find that through our website and follow us on social media as well. We are at Civic Cipher uh, everywhere that you can find us. And hopefully I'm not missing anything. And if not, subscribe, like, oh, comment, podcast. donate, right? Share with your friends. Become a better ally, please. And until next week, y'all. Peace. Hey, yo, we handle it. These brothers are fabulous. Dilated, showing you where rhyme travel is. Worlds is between from sunlight to moon. Busting off stage like gunfights and moons. Pull my mic back. You like that? Journalists with journalists, too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines, sidestepping the borders. With press passes, we bring it to you as it happens. The streets love my crew for music and rapping. Street commander slash beat expander Here to fight the slander with the proper propaganda What's happening? You got a question, then ask it The news is just a TV show Get past it And this from a quiet wartime journalist Headlines Wake up, refuse, and resist